is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, joined my co-host Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we have Man City match review part two. Uh, run it back, except worse from earlier in the week. Uh, Dan, FA Cup edition. I don't know if that makes it better or not, but it, it is what it is. At least you didn't lose the possibility of three points to safety. Safety. <laughs> my God. Dan, oh, Dan, on the table's turn. <laughs> Did I enter your brain, Dan? What's the, with the negativity? There's so much to be positive about. Come on. So it's a bad patch. Well, we'll have to see what happens in this one. Obviously, the Man City match review from the FA Cup. Uh, fruitless per usual, uh, which is what exactly we're going to be trying to break down if we can. Uh, and then another thing we're going to be looking at is maybe what players should Potter be entrusting for the next game? Uh, there's still a lot of football to be played, uh, and he really needs to figure something out and quick although injuries not doing him any favors. And then we'll go ahead and look around uh, the competition to uh, see what's left. So uh, anyways, uh, Dan, kicking us off, three-word match review. As always, the temp check of the people, the voice, how they get it shared, how did it come through? Well, sorry if Jess said, ruined my birthday, which, uh, sorry, that's a happy, terrible birthday to you for that one. Uh, ruined our day. Ruined your birthday. Feels like it might be a little worse for you. Uh, P.U.U. Poo with Craig Burley's dream. Uh, CFC Owen with the If I Speak. Ryan with the Darkest Timeline. A real throwback to the 15-16 time frame. Grizz with Need More Fafanas. Jeremy with the Potter's Poor Spell. Tom with the Zero Fun Sir. It was the gif from... <laughs> zero, <laughs> zero. Zero Fun Sir is a fantastic uh, call out there. I love that. And then... McLeasy with the not good Dan rounding out to the listener submissions. There were a lot that were way worse that did not make the cut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're down for the occasional swear word, but sometimes it's a little, little too much. Uh, Nick's is super ominous, so teasing that one. Dan, what did you have? Open operating theater. We are getting to see all the blood and guts of Chelsea's rebuild happening in real time. And while that sounds like it could be very exciting... It is absolutely not something for easy stomachs or for even iron stomachs to take in at this point in time. So uh, definitely uh, do not want to uh, watch too much more at this point. Yeah, well, schedule's not going to help with that. I put something's got to change. A lot of discussions on the old social medias about what, if anything, can change. Uh, We do have fresh faces, so that's starting to change things. But uh, we'll have to see just what all levers Bully, Igbali, and Potter are all looking at as they try to turn this ship around uh, during an open transfer window. Nick, what about you? Yeah, I went with closed-door meetings. Um, It's around this time uh, that leaders within the team should be kicking Potter and the management staff out and any other folks out and having some serious conversations amongst themselves. Um, the, the, the level hasn't been good enough for a very long time and it's not just one player. It's a lot of players. So I think there needs to be some leadership shown, some closed door meetings, hash it out amongst yourselves, get ready to go finish out this year. All right. Well, uh, ominous, but you know, productive at the same time, uh, as long as they all go well. Uh, but we do want to request everybody go take a look. If you haven't, drop that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Help us get seen. Help us climb the charts above our rivals and those media giants. Uh, And always, if you're looking for a great community, check us out on Patreon. We have our Discord linked through there. It's not just Chelsea. It's in real life stuff as well. So anyways, uh, on to the match. It was Manchester City again this past Sunday, the 8th of January in the FA Cup. We were away this time at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, in case you missed it, good for you. Man City 4, Chelsea nil. <laughs> Goals coming from Mares in the 23rd. Alvarez penalty in the 30th. Uh, Foden 38th and Mares, uh in the 85th. Two pens, huh? That's how you know it was a good day. Two two penalties. Uh, it just it was all a mess. So hey, 
I'm sure you want to hear about this. So thanks to our friends over at Chelsea FC. We are going to play it back for you uh, if they have it. I actually don't even know about FA Cup. But regardless, go download the app, the only official app from Chelsea FC. They let us use content like this, and we are appreciative of it. All right, we'll be right back. Uh, the magic of the FA Cup does include a change in broadcasting rights. So there, there, there is no highlights to get for this one. Uh, but I promise you, if you didn't watch the game, listening to it would not have been any better. So this is for the best. All right, back to the boys. Dan, hit us with the lineup and uh, all of the changes that Mr. Potter uh, implemented. Well, it was Kepa Aretha Blaga between the sticks, which was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, you saw some Selena photos in, in training. Maybe it was going to be a little too early, but maybe Bettinelli. I don't know. Uh, Not broken finger Mendy. Humphreys, Koulibaly, and Hall is your back line with Gallagher, Jorginho, and Kovacic in the center. And then it was Ziyech, Havertz, and Mason Mount up top. Look, uh, you got a chance to use some substitutes, and uh, you went and used all of them. You had Hutchinson come in, Chukwameka, Azpilicueta, uh, David Dottrofafana making a debut. Exciting for the young man. And Dennis Zakaria as the, uh, the the roundup of individuals who made it onto the pitch. Uh, Kukurea and uh, Betty Ashil were the, you know, I, I would have liked to see Betty Ashil at a certain point. At a certain point when it didn't matter anymore, it would have been nice to at least said, hey, how's it going, guy? Nice nice to welcome you to Chelsea. Bonjour, even, you know, yeah. because, he's, because he's French. Do you guys get it? Or? Many. Yeah. Many French, <laughs> many French speakers uh, in this team as it, as it stands. Um, tell you what, some of the uh, the stats on this one really don't matter, but let me uh, <laughs> see if I can uh, tickle your fancy with some things. Uh, Chelsea with 42% possession. We had uh, three total shots. Um, uh, let's see, one on target. City had nine shots, uh, seven on target. So busy day mm-hmm. for old Mr. Keppa. Uh, obviously two of those being penalties. They had four big chances. We had none. Um, we had 88% accurate passes to their 91%, which kind of surprised me that we were that clinical. Uh, saw quite a few getting passed right out of bounds in tight spaces today. Uh, 10 fouls apiece, two corners to their four, uh, and an XG, I kid you not, 2.73 to Man City, 0.1 to Chelsea. It's the lowest XG for a Chelsea team in over five years. 0.0 in the first half, 0.1 in the second half. XG from open play, 0.8, 0.08 from set pieces, 0.02. Yeah, the, the only thing, if you want to look at a little silver lining, is the increases of the penalties drove a fair bit of the Manchester City XG. And so, I, I mean, effectively, <laughs> you helped them, uh, you know, to to one something you know one three one four i mean one, which one, is five. one one five yeah i mean that that, that w- on another day that's a positive yeah 1.58 with the penalties out of their 2.73 which means they had one from open play uh and 0. 0.5 uh from set pieces so you know there's a lot of ways you can splice it it really wasn't uh ideal uh, at any point, Keppa with his three saves on the day almost had a penalty save that definitely would have boosted his score, but it was not meant to be. Um, Opta Joe negative three, Chelsea are trailing by three or more goals at halftime for the second time under Graham Potter, also versus Brighton. With today his 18th game in charge, they never trailed by three or more goals at halftime in 100 games under predecessor Thomas Tuchel disorderly. Um, I don't know, I mean, I could be wrong, Nick, but. I don't know if we brought in Potter as a defensive juggernaut necessarily. So like maybe this is a part of the beautiful process. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think uh, you're going to hear this multiple times from me today, but everyone stop with the two cool comparisons for the love of God. What are you doing? What are you doing to yourselves? Like off to Joe, come on guy. Like it, it, stop it. He ain't here anymore. And his team's his team before he left was fucking bad too. So I, I don't know. It just this whole thing has been so it's felt really petty to me, which I, I hate. Yeah, I, it's easy to look at the ex-girlfriend. I think I've seen Jose Mourinho <laughs> on a list on Twitter as well. So uh, be careful what you read out there, boys and girls. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead. Just take our ad break. And then we can jump right into it. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. Did you hear that a Lionel Messi trading card recently sold for over $500,000 on Golden Auctions? 
Golden is the leading and most trusted destination for some of the most significant pieces of sports and pop culture collectibles. And better yet, it's not just for high ticket items. Golden's new always on marketplace and weekly auctions start at just $5. That means collectors of all kinds can enjoy the same quality, convenience, and seamless user experience that Golden is known for. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, grade, or vault, Golden has something for everyone. It's your one-stop shop destination for the love of collecting. Looking to buy a collectible? Good idea. While the S&P 500 fell by an average of nearly 20%, collectibles like trading cards actually increased in value. Looking to sell a collectible? Now is the time to do it. Golden is offering all sellers up to 50% off marketplace fees before February 17th. Head over to golden.co to get started. That's G-O-L-D-I-N dot C-O to get started. All right, look, Chelsea's fruitless trip up north, uh, continuation of poor form. Uh, there, there's a lot that we could continue to just bounce on over and over. But um, I think for me, you know, the the injury list continues to grow. It is absolutely insane at this point that is continuing uh, to to just surmount anything I think we've ever seen. Nine or more. Um, so the interesting thing, Nick is immediately Buddy Shiele and, uh, David Fofana hit the bench because warm bodies needed <laughs> right away. Uh, and then you've even got, um, Basher Humphreys and which is probably a bit of a surprise just to give Tiago Silva a rest. And then Lewis Hall getting in, which you would expect him to be able to play at this level, even though it's the FA cup against city. So, you know, some of the performances, you know, between Keppa, Kovacic, Jorginho. I think for me, the Kovacic, Jorginho, they're kind of your leaders on field. Koulibaly didn't see a whole lot of leading out of them, um, potentially one of Kovacic's sloppier days, but there was just no connection amongst anybody. And I think that's why I really look at those three to to bring this team together, and I, I didn't see it today. I think everyone just laid down and let it happen. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think let's take the injury thing first, right? So it was, it was announced... Um, after the game, Aubameyang tight back, didn't even make the trip, right? Wasn't even on the bench. I think most people expected him to start today. Um, Pulisic out for now weeks with a knee injury, which is just what you wanted to hear, right? As he was getting a little bit of form and then they still don't know about uh, Raheem Sterling. So add Aubameyang to the list. And I think you have 10 again, because Mason Mount kind of came off Treb Chalaba wasn't ever really on that list, but they were because he was making the bench. So I think we're back to 10 total. Um, obviously, Mendy's now a longer holdout because he broke his finger and was already dealing with the shoulder thing. I, like it's there's bad luck. And then there's whatever the fuck this is. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Um, like we were talking about the other day, I, I think you could legitimately expect Maybe, if, you know, who knows? We'll find an 11 somewhere, you know, knock on wood that we don't. But I think you'd expect that 11 to really challenge the Premier League. <laughs> like that's that's a really difficult 11 to lose. And so, yeah, I mean, you're you're throwing a lot of people in that you would typically give more betting in time. Like Lewis Hall playing left back. Uh, I mean, he's played left wing back. Left back's a whole different challenge, man. Like that's and he's, he's a midfielder. So you're just kind of hoping and praying that he's going to be OK, you know. Bashir Humphreys, poor guy, on his debut to face Phil Foden and to to face Mares and to you know to see all these really world class attackers. I mean, and and it's it's just a, a really difficult spot. So yeah, the injuries are a real problem, guys. And like again, I'm not telling you you have to love this performance today because I think we're going to talk about how much we hated it. But if you don't understand the context of like not having a anything resembling a B team like City did. And, and us putting out just like you said, Brandon, warm bodies at this point. Like, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, that, that team was never as constructed today. Dan, never going to go into City and win. It was just never going to happen. I mean, to be fair, City's B team that they fielded in this one probably qualifies somewhere in the top 10 of the Premier League and maybe is vying for a European spot when you have Alvarez, oh, Mares, sure. Palmer, definitely. Missed some very easy opportunities for him in the day. I think maybe a little bit of the, the nerves got to him. But Foden, Rodri, Silva, 
and then Laporte and Walker. It's like that, that is a, a team, even with the youngsters that they embedded in, that could go on and do great things in the Premier League. And so the scale at which the side was definitely set up for a David versus Goliath match, but this was more like Ant-Man threw on the super size and like is just plowing through the field of, you know, Thanos's, you know, decimated forces. So like th- this was not even set up to be an equal-sided competition and yeah, we got got plastered, man. <laughs> it was it was not good. Okay. All right, for sure. Not for nothing different though. I mean, I think Kai Havertz, Tom Ball, dumb, right? Uh, the penalty at the end of the game, maybe fatigue or just tired of getting your ass kicked, right? But Sloppy, yeah. For sure. But then you think about it, right? It, this is how the game went. Penalty, or I'm sorry, give up the goal in the 23rd minute, which had been coming, immediately turn, or then you turn around and you give up the penalty in the 30th minute, and then you continue to say shut off, and eight minutes later, Foden taps in for three. Game's over, and we're in, in 15 minutes. Right. And so I think that that is a very bad look for this team. It's something that we've seen. Um, I, you know, I, I would say, obviously, this team, Man City was way more settled than Chelsea as far as when they got the ball and they knew what they were doing. They're looking to play players in off of um, the shoulder. You know, they knew how to possess and move the ball. Chelsea didn't, obviously, because when Jorginho or Kova or Connor got the ball, they didn't know what was going on ahead of them. Uh, Ziesch and Havertz haven't played in a long time. Mount's just coming off injury. It, it was just unbelievably disjointed. Again, my problem really stems from the lack of leadership from the Senegalese national team captain, Jorginho, who is the club vice captain, and Kovacic, who you know is a strong leader in this team. Like I'm not even putting it on Mount because it's hard to lead from left wing, left attacker, but the people that were in the middle of the pitch organizing weren't there and that's really to me unacceptable with the amount of experience that those players have that that's what i really felt like the team let down potter today it shouldn't have been for nothing no they 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 quit in the first half it was pretty obvious i mean every reporter that you would trust has said everyone's head dropped you know and and you could tell i mean there there was that period from minute one until what minute 15 or whatever where i actually thought that we were coping okay like we were we were dealing with pressure connor won the ball a couple of times up the field couldn't make the final pass at all which is not you know a new problem that we have and then you know we lost the ball have it go back down the field and and so on and so forth and then it was like after that after just giving up the foul you sense that everyone's head dropped and and that's you know in addition to the leaders that should have been on the pitch like you mentioned i i just they didn't show up ready to fight today after they, you know, not, not the same team, but after we had given city a real run for their money in the midweek, like we, we talked about the game. That was not a bad performance midweek. We, I mean, I think we challenged them. We gave up a shit goal, but it was pretty even Steven on Thursday. This was like a, oh, this is bad. Um, it, you know, it was like the first, uh, Fury Wilder fight. And then this was the second one where it was like, Oh my God, like (laughs) we really, uh, we were really the wilder on that end uh, of things, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, the attitude's a real problem though. It's kind of why Dan, I said closed door meeting because Potter only has so much control when they're out there playing, right? He can make substitutions. Yep. He can give rousing halftime talks. Sure. He can set up the team appropriately at the beginning. Those are really the things that he can do, right? The rest of it is, it comes from inside. It comes from wanting to beat your guy more than he wants to beat you. And it comes from desire to stick together as a unit. Like Kalidou Koulibaly was playing next to a first-time debutante who had never been at this level, and he was all over the shop. And it's it spelled disaster. I think in this sense that Potter, the way he set up the team to play was creating a lot of a lot of easy overloads um i mean city are so good at switching the ball back and forth and just pinging it and putting you into very dangerous positions and had seen firsthand a couple of days ago like how much of a problem Mares is and 
I think the fact that Walker and Mares got a lot of license in that first half just showed, I don't know, maybe not as much respect to your opponent as you should in terms of the, hey, th- these are players that, you know, in Mares in particular, burned you in very recent memory. And you're going from Kukurea to Hall in terms of the individual who is being asked to take them to task. And look, Hall has had some really good appearances for this side. I mean, he had a better appearance than most in this team, but that is a tall order, particularly when Kulabali is drifting to a different position, Humphreys is drifting, and Chalabar are all drifting to support that side. I mean, it's effectively a one-on-one, or a one, you know, two-on-one, and then maybe Jorginho or maybe Kovacic is getting back, but they're also being dragged out of position as well. The amount of space that City switch was creating and the forward balls that they were playing, Rodri was playing, just was really dicing us open. Well, and it's also just notable, too, for, for those who are maybe new to this uh, battle between Chelsea and City because you're seeing it so close together. City's pitch is much bigger than our pitch of Stanford Bridge. So they have more. They have the ability to go wide a lot more uh, than than we do at the bridge. And I think because we were at the bridge on Thursday, we were able to kind of contain them a little bit more than we would have otherwise. So I think City's pitch is almost the same size as Wembley, which is massive. Um, so it's just a notable thing. It doesn't mean that that caused us to lose or anything like that. I think they had a little bit more room to operate. Brandon, you know, if they get that and they're on fire, like you know, it can happen. So. Dan, you pulled in the Opta Analyst, uh, the the shot locations conceded uh, from the last nine games. And in here, it has we've conceded 13 in the last nine. We've given up an XG of 15.1, 110 shots. Again, like that's over 10 shots a game. Um, my problem is the amount of goals that are scored with inside the six. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven. Six are inside the box one is immediately outside the box one is at the penalty spot two at the top of the box free kick today from Mars outside the box you can't be giving up goals inside the six like th- like whether it's Kepa needs to be coming out and claiming it or the defense needs to be a far better organized but city are a bit predictable they're good at what they do but you know they're going to want to get you to the end line and square it across the goal like, they're not big. There's no Holland today, right? Like, this is a problem. They were giving up so many goals, essentially from the PK spot and in, the penalty spot and in. And then on the reverse side, you look at our goals. Thank God we've got six out of nine, and three of them are inside the six. So that's good that we're able to create those really easy chances to score as well. But it's just, I mean, it's just not in any way um, something that has to be sustainable. I think if you're giving up free kicks, if you're giving up corner kicks, if you you know you're giving up those Mares goals, I think you can you can stomach that a little bit better. The tap ins inside the six, absolutely not. Stop the cross, mark a guy, and that's not happening. So some level of organization needs to change because it's across nine games. It's not just one or two. Uh, it's a pretty good sample size. So I don't. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, Dan. I don't know if anything stands out to you with all of the all of the data that's in this uh, chart here. I guess the fact that four of those six goals came across the match to Bournemouth and then the match against Zagreb in the last uh, Champions League match, because that would be uh, going back nine total matches. And of that, like Chelsea had 15 shots in total in the match against Bournemouth. And then we had 22 shots in the match against Zagreb. And so when you think about the fact that, you know, 37 of those 96 shots, um, you know, so effectively 38, 39% of those shots came across two games in the last nine. Um, I don't know. I think to me, what I was taking away from this is the pattern of Chelsea's declining shot rate. The fact that we're, not really taking a fair bit of shots or getting into those same spaces, right? Like we're not getting as close to goal as we seemingly need to, Nick, to score. Because when you look at the goals that we are scoring, they do tend to be, you know, three of them are kind of within the six-yard box area. 
two within the total box and then one outside the box. And so like we are not going to score if we're not getting into the box and we're not going to score if we don't get a cross in or something of that nature to create something. And that that to me is probably the bigger concern here. Like I, I think defensively outside of this game, I mean, we, we haven't been terrible. Like that's the thing. Like we're just running a terrible situation where if we don't score – like, you know, like we're, we haven't set up necessarily to lose, but we do because we don't score. Like we didn't score against Villa. We didn't score against Newcastle. We didn't score against Arsenal. Um, I think we we're kind of lucky maybe a little bit with Forrest. And I mean, this is the situation we find ourselves in over two matches in Iowa City where they've scored five, put five goals passes. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to win if you don't score. Um I don't. This is by the way. This is not just a uh, Potter problem. Uh, we have struggled offensively for a number of years now. I think we all know the root cause of that, and that's the midfield not having the right balance of creativity and defensive solidity in that midfield to make things happen. We all know that Thomas Tuchel's style was historically conservative. We all know that Frank Lampard's style was historically aggressive. We had about the same goals between them because the, you know, the playing personnel hasn't really changed that much. Right. So you get stuck in these consistent patterns of passing. And unless you have a difference maker like Reese James on the field, which he was for Bournemouth when we scored two goals in the first half, it really is tough sledding. I mean, this is as hard to watch offensively as we've ever seen right now, but it wasn't much better in the previous two years either, um, which makes your margin of error, Brandon, go down pretty dramatically, right? So one mistake against City in the week, and you're probably not coming back to get a point because you can't score, right? So then your, your best chance at a point is limiting them to the point where they are not scoring these little weird chances. And even then you're only grabbing a point in a table where you need a lot more. So if I, if I were to look at, Hey Nick, what's the one area you desperately like to see improve before the end of the season, we have to be way more clinical in the final third than we have been in the previous like three years. I mean, that champions league winning team, not historically good on offense either. Right. So uh, this is the area that I'm looking at. I mean, six goals over nine games is just pathetic. There have been some uh, easy opportunities in there. I hope they don't count the Villa game for what it's worth. But all right, Potter, after the match, um, look, the fans saying Tuchel's name. Um, it was not... Sa- a- saying Roman's name you as bro- well. Yep. yep. Um, uh, thankfully saying Viali's name. Everyone knows about that. Uh, but it just, it, you know, bad atmosphere to say the least. Uh, thank gosh it was an away game. I wonder what it would have been like if it were a home game. Uh, but Potter was asked what need, what, what needs to bring these fans back who are losing faith and how confident are you that you can turn the situation around? He said, it's always challenging in the Premier League and it's always challenging here. I understand the frustration and I understand when you look at the results and the team performance today, that it is far away from Manchester city. That's clear. We have to focus on the next day, the next match. We play on Thursday, and it's an important game for us. We need to stay together as a group, support each other, and I'm sure we will get the support of the supporters when we see good performances and results, end quote. Um, it's obviously a much harder task uh, or easier said than done situation, as we know for many times. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i like with, with Potter right now, I'm fine, like... I think I'm relaxed more than I've really ever been in these situations. I think because I'm ready to wait and see what Bully has to offer as a new manager. I'm ready to see what Potter has to do. I think that he's got um, his timing is really unfortunate and unlucky. Um, you know, the fact that Arsenal are winning the the table right now, usually you could count them out the last three, four, five, six seasons, right? United on a good run all of a sudden. You usually don't expect that. Thank gosh Liverpool are sliding, but you still have City up there and Tottenham are kind of flirting with it like they usually do. It's also more competitive than it's been the last three, four, five seasons. Uh, On top of these injuries, on top of the starts, we had a World Cup in the middle of the season, two international breaks. Like This guy is, is taking a lot of knocks, and so I think that's why for me, I understand like once you lose players, you lose players, but you know depending on the rumored players he's losing, I think we need to get rid of them anyway. So I just, I want to ride this one out. Well, I, I think this is the point, right? I, like 
in the previous administration, he would have been fired by now. And so I think the muscle memory that every supporter has is to say, well, why hasn't he been fired yet? It's bad. We're in a bad run of form. It's not getting any easier. What's the deal? Why isn't he fired? It's not the previous administration. There's all this, all these headwinds that you just mentioned, Brandon, about where he is and what he's doing. Now, I think that he has to do a significantly better job setting up the team for us to get results moving forward. I think that is a fair criticism, and I'm not backing down on that. The, the offensive production or lack thereof is alarming, right? The silly errors in defense from experienced players are alarming. But again, any other manager who walks into this situation is going to face those same headwinds that you're mentioning. And I think, Dan, this is where I know we're going to transition into, into players next, but this is why this group of players before we give our, our thoughts and analysis, have to get together as a group and define what an acceptable level is for themselves. Because what this shit is right now, what these players are putting out there, some of the half-hearted performances, like there were 7,000 Chelsea fans up at City today who went all the way north to go see this team play in the FA Cup, and they got treated to that abject failure of a result. Like that, that is a players getting together and determining as a team what's what's happening. And I know there are a lot of comparisons right now that John Terry would have uh, choked one player out by now if, if he was still captain, yada, yada, yada. Someone has to do something from a leadership perspective internally, right? Someone has to. That, I mean, that's kind of where we are because it's not just on Potter to get these guys amped up. It's on Potter to own the line of decisions that he makes and the way that he sets the team up. And so if there are players who are consistently letting you down or not playing to the level that they need to be or are making mistakes, even with a limited side, I personally, this is me personally, and I, I think other fans feel this way, would be comfortable watching Humphreys, Hall, Fafana, D. Fafana, not West Fafana, uh, play right now and see what they can do versus watching players who in six months, I don't know if they're going to be here. I don't think those are the people that you want to trust as the manager to your multi-year contract, the people who in six months may not be a part of this club. And I think the other thing is how you explain what you're trying to do through the only outlet you have, which is the media, when you answer questions, being able to reframe the answer to get the information you want across for this is what we are trying to do. I think his his typical response is too general. And I I know it was a, it was deemed a stupid question in terms of the you know, why don't you get upset at the fourth official? Why don't you do you get ever get mad? Like and, and yes, you know he's like yeah, of course I get mad. And we saw it today with the penalty. <laughs> we see we saw the gif. It was just like oh fuck me. <laughs> like that was, uh, that was, that nice. was funny. Yeah. That was nice to see. Um, it was terrible results, dumb penalty. Really nice to see that. I think that's something that he needs to learn quickly in the sense that the way you can use the media to convey, you don't have to slam the team to convey points around we didn't do what we wanted to do with this. And I think that's something that maybe that Tuchel did very well that I think the supporters did get used to, where he was very honest about the performance of the team at times. Like, hey, like we should have done this. We didn't do that. This is something that I think is a very fair criticism of Potter, Brandon, in that like he could be doing a lot more to make his case and help his case, regardless of how the results are going. I just don't think he is leveraging the resources he has to get that message out. You could, yeah, maybe. I mean, look, the the ownership group are far um, more interested in building out the backside of it too right now. So, you know, that could be a big part of it, saying that the resources are going to, you know, office scouting, you know, general manager recruiting situations right now. But, uh, you know, Potter needs to get back to doing what Potter did great. And, like, he either needs to button on the hatches and – be you know watertight which is not what he's known for or they just need to go out there 
progressive pass the hell out of everybody, uh, be aggressive, and at least create something offensively. Because right now we're kind of stuck in the middle. We're not great defensively and we're terrible offensively. So like you might as well be good at one or the other. So then that way you can backfill on the other side next season after summer to preseason and things like that. But commit, he needs to commit. Um, all right, we're going to take our last ad break. When we're back, we're going to talk about which players are we going to trust in the next match coming up for Chelsea. So again, thank you to the sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, so if I look at the old computer system here, uh, running my programs... Looks like Chelsea are going to have to play Fulham on Thursday. So a local away game, which is nice in in terms of logistics and in not having uh, a, a long bus ride. Maybe a Sterling, or not Sterling, but a Bamiang's back can survive this one. True, true or false, Brandon? We have, uh, we've walked the distance from Stamford Bridge to Fulham, stopping at pubs multiple times along the way. They're very much true. Very, yep. very Fun strong. <laughs> It's a great day. So um, we think ahead to Thursday. Um, it's 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 one of those situations where you, I think a lot of us as fans um, have decided who we trust and who we don't. I think, um, you know, it's, again, it's been a weird, rocky season. The players that didn't play in the World Cup, you would think would be well-rested and better, but they're somehow not. They're like have regressed. Um, so anyways, with that being said, uh, just playing Harry said Havertz, Jorginho, Ziyech, and Kovacic are the only players not to come clap the away end after the match, which isn't a good look. Obviously they're frustrated, but it's kind of like the basics one-on-one as a, as a, as a footballer, you, you got to go clap the away fans, especially when you just got clapped on the field. <laughs> um, claps or claps, claps or yeah. claps like do do the basics but they didn't um and so that's gonna go as negative marks in the column for them and so nick you pointed the question out i think you said next season but if we we're just to reframe it to hey what about next game because the way i look at this nothing else matters in thursday like this is the ultimate game by game don't think about top four don't think about champions league like potter needs to play his absolute best 11 every single match until he can this season. Yeah, I mean, so so how I frame this up is largely with the goal of getting three points on the board, right? So trust is one thing, but I also think you have to punish bad performances if you're Grand Potter. Like, these players cannot play until they're showing you something dramatically different in training than what they have been doing. So... I, I don't think you can replace Keppa right now. So Keppa would make my starting 11 for Fulham. Congratulations. Default, uh, you've made it <laughs> by default. Um, but then I would think about, for this game, I would think about going to a back three again. Um, and I would have Thiago Silva at the, the middle of that, at the heart of it. I would have Trevo, and I would have um, Batty Shield. Bringing him in. Uh, you cannot have Koulibaly play after the way he played today. So congratulations. I trust you already, Benoit Badiashiel. You are uh, now part of the squad, which means that you're going to have a little bit more, I think, defensive cover for Kukurea and probably Aspi uh, on you know the right and left wing. Um, maybe you can take a risk without, as you know, if you're going to play with, with Trevo on that side, maybe you can throw in a Ziyech or something like that. I don't think... He was particularly good today either. Um, so so that's probably where I'd go. And then midfield, Lewis Hall and, and Zakaria. Th- those are my midfielders. Um, I, no other midfielder has played good enough to make that squad on uh, on on Thursday. Chuck Omeka? Uh, he, he might be making an appearance here in a second, Dan. Um, okay. You'll that, have uh, your chance, Dan. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, freaking Dan. Um then I, I do think because of like the limited options here up up top, I think you probably if if Obama Yang's healthy, I think you probably trot him out there. I think you probably have Mason out there and fuck it, I would have Chukwameka out there. I, I think those are the three. Um I think this this formation gives you a little bit more cover. 
Um, and it integrates players who you think are going to be here past the summer. Um, that That's kind of where I'm at. Go back to the back three, get some width in the play, make something happen. All right, Dan, here's your chance, your your rebuttal. So I do like the, the shout for a back three because I just think with the dwindling numbers of available resources uh, that it's probably not a bad idea. And look, I, I do think, uh, you know, our Benoit, not Glass Onions Benoit, uh, is going to have to get dropped in, just parachuted in to try to do something on the left-hand side. Could he solve the case of the leaky defense, though, Dan? Like, this is what you you really need to figure out. I, I do declare. I do. I, no, do I, have no, I have no idea what he will be capable of, but I do think it will be better than what we have seen this past weekend. Um, so I, I think you then you I, I mean, I don't know if I would prefer to play as Pete, but, um, you know, I mean, I guess that's kind of where you, you end up. Um, I think it's Zakaria and, and Hall or Zakaria and Chocomeca as your individuals in the midfield and i don't know like i'm i think the up top is a really large question mark but abamyang doesn't score goals anymore like he just doesn't believe in it i don't know why um so i think you put fafana up top and you know you ride it a couple more weeks and see what he can do for us and you know because you're either deciding can he help us do something this season or do we need to put him with the dev squad or get him on a loan? And I would rather learn what we're going to do with him here. It's just, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I guess the only thing, other thing you could think of Brandon is like, how do you load up with Connor Gallagher who has found, you know, knows how to score in the Premier League, hasn't done it recently, but knows how to Mason Mount who knows how to score in the Premier League, but hasn't done it recently has been a little bit off it. Like how do you potentially load up with people who just have scored before and have scored in a recent enough memory to say, Hey, you remember how to do that? Let's put you in a, a situation where you can be successful doing it again. Well, you start at the back with the goalkeeper. That's where everything starts. Obviously it's annoyingly, um, due to injury and things, just Kappa. By the way, he's. I was, I was looking through the Premier League stats. He's leading the Premier League in save percentage. He's the only player for Chelsea that's on a positive stat box. Unlike Lewis Dunk, who is leading the stat for most penalties conceded. Tough run, boss. Um, you go with Kepa. I agree, I think, with the, with the back three, I mean whatever it's it it's not great but you go Aspie, trevo uh tiago and then you could throw body shield in you know him and trevo can can swip sides if they want kukurea goes in uh left wing back assuming he just got rested today um it's an interesting idea with lewis hall and zakaria as your as your holding um, I think you have to almost push Mason up because I'm not playing Ziesch after today. I'm not playing Havertz after today. And Broya, Pulisic, and Sterling are all injured. And Aubameyang might be injured. So now you go back to after Mason had a good run of playing in a midfield three. Nope, back up top. You you just sit up there and wait, and hopefully we get you the ball, big guy. And it doesn't happen. So you, uh, you just have to go with... Um, I think you could potentially, I don't know, if, if Ruben's healthy, you maybe throw him in just for something different. And then you could put in, like I said, Mason and, and Aubameyang ideally around them up top. Maybe it's a, more of a 3-5-2 instead of a 3-4-3, but it's it's an ugly game that you have to play right now. It's, I just, it's, it's I mean, Connor hasn't looked good lately. Ruben's been injured. Who knows what he's going to look like when he comes back. Maybe you play him because the Fulham thing, you know, you could play Carnes, but it, a lot of these are just gambles where Potter's really going to have to hold tight on what he knows. There's also Amari Hutchinson, who's not even in this list as well. I would say it seems like Potter is being pretty aggressive with his subs and, and going with young players. So maybe he's really going to lean into that more and stop playing these guys. But like Jorginho was god awful, Ziesh was bad, Kai was just really bad. Um, 
And I and it, and what's really frustrating, I was looking at the roster. Okay, so we our last, you know, essentially came back from the World Cup, beat Bournemouth two nothing, right? You're like, awesome, good vibes. It felt good, looked good. Kept in goal, Reese James right back, Koulibaly Silva center backs, Kukure left back, Zakaria Jorginho Mount in the middle, Sterling Kai and Pulisic up top, right? Pulisic injured, Sterling injured, um, you know, Silva needed rest, Reese James injured. Like that's four of those players are out within two weeks and we're having to shuffle the deck again. You mentioned Ruben too. Like Ruben would be fantastic throwing it right wing back in this game in my, yeah. in my, but he's not healthy and it doesn't seem like he's going to be healthy for a bit. So, and he was playing a ton of minutes at the beginning of the season and was playing really well, um, especially down that right-hand side. It was the classic right wing back, 65th minute moves to, to holding <laughs> mid. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, we kind of laugh about that, but you know, I think a midfield of him and Zakaria wouldn't be the worst thing in the world right now, considering how lightweight we were today. Um, you know, I, I, again, I think who you trust in the future is a whole different conversation. And that has to do with contract expiration and just overall form and where you want this team to be from a, a profile perspective, which we know the Tinker men have talked about exclusively over the last couple of episodes. But I, I really am looking at this going, anyone who trotted around today aimlessly, you're not going to play for a while unless, unless it is desperation time. And even then, Brandon, I think it's even more important for us to bring in Phil's perspective on a, on a weekly basis right now for which youth player could be put in should these players continue to perform at this subpar level because it is just brutal right now. And, you know, if you're looking at the rest of the season and you're saying, well, hey, Nick, we're not going to get top four. What should we be doing? We should be seeing what we got in some of this incredible youth town that comes through Goblin is what we should be doing. I promise you he has a list ready for us. Uh, obviously, you know, Dan of the match uh, was too, too bad. Um, look, everybody who watched the full 90 minutes, you're the Dan of the match this time. Was not me. Got the laptop out and started uh, multitasking. Uh, I'll just kind of glance through the FA Cup. I mean, I, a lot of these results I don't think really matter for us. A lot of people are excited to see Wrexham advancing over championship side. Um, they beat... Uh, already lost him. Coventry. Coventry. 4-3. That, that was yeah. a fun game to watch, though. It Coventry was. with the red card. They just kept coming back, and it went right to the end. A bit nervy. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, anything exciting in this one? Uh, li- Wolves got jobbed. Yes. Wolves got jobbed, jobbed. so hard. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. Uh, Leeds and Cardiff was hilarious today. Uh, the 93rd minute equalizer. <laughs> oh my God. It's so dumb. Uh, and then, uh, right after our game, uh, Stockport and Walsall was actually pretty entertaining. Uh, Walsall got a penalty late, which was, uh, incredibly dumb. Um, and, and that was, that was not great. Uh, the other one, what, who beat Villa today? Newcastle lost to uh, Sheffield Wednesday. And then Stevenage beat Villa 2-1, yeah. Yeah, so Stevenage is a League 2 side that beat a Premier League team. That is that is the magic of the FA Cup really summed up. Um, yeah. At least we lost to a, a perennial Premier League champion. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and I guess here's a here's just a final thing maybe to wrap on the on the domestic competitions, which we will no longer be a part of this season. Blessing um, in out. disguise. Yeah, We're, we had the worst draw luck, maybe of all time. Double down, away baby. at City, away at City for both of them, and the third rounds of each competition. I mean, it's just it's just complete and utter lunacy and. You know, again, Chelsea haven't been dumped out of the FA Cup this early since 1994-95. You know, unfortunately, Luca Vialli was was playing that day, and we're going to have a a special uh, coming about him this week uh, as well. But um, it was just brutal from a draw perspective. Imagine if Chelsea would have had Boreham Wood today at home. Chance to really get back on track, a chance to play better. Uh, you You don't know how that could turn your season around. You know, and and so I'm I'm not saying that we deserve to play a League Two side or a National League side or whatever, but you know I think this is just a really, really, really bit of shit luck. And you know, Man City have Arsenal if if they beat Oxford in the next round of the competition, so they're not getting any favors done for them either. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, it's like we in at the blackjack table got two sixes and we decided to split. I mean, it's just <laughs> right in the face. No, yep. no way of avoiding that. This episode has had so many interesting references across a variety of different topics. I'm looking forward to seeing how people enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, it's actually on purpose to understand more about our audience. Uh, so we're just pulling reactions out of them to see what they're engaged on. But um, anyways, uh, so the FA Cup journey is over. Uh, League Cup journey is over. We're down to uh, Champions League and uh, the domestic the season. Now. Look, lightening up our schedule is not a bad thing at all. Uh, it, it's obviously one of those things that we're going to have to um, just continue to to one game at a time, 90 minutes at a time. Nothing else matters. Don't look at the other side. Don't manage the squad. Just focus in there. So we'll see. Uh, I think a lot of us here are leaving quite frustrated. We're just, you know, not trying to say anything that that's too inflammatory and just kind of say, let's wait and see, because what else can you do? You know, I just... I don't think Bully wants to be seen um, in the same light as Roman either, so I think he's going to give Potter time just almost by default. And Matt Law was tweeting about that earlier uh, as well. It's going to be... Look, uh, we all knew it was going to be a transition. I don't know if we all realized how severe the transition was going to be, which is why I really think the start of this was us making the Chaos and Trophies t-shirts, Dan. Um, Maybe we were the jinx, but... um, Nope. No, <laughs> not taking that evil on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, this squad has to be dramatically changed for us to be competitive again. We all know that. We've said it in very various different formats over the years on this show. We need a new midfield. We need a Thiago Silva replacement. We need a, a backup right back. We need attackers who want to score goals. Like this is not a one season and done transition. It might be a little bumpy for a while, and. Uh, I think the real ones are going to stick around and, and root for the team and try and get behind them, despite how fucking frustrating this was today. Yeah. Look, you've got three matches left between now and the mini winter break that has been built into the Premier League schedule oh, this yeah. year. So you have Fulham away, you have Crystal Palace at home, and you have Liverpool away. If you can take six points from that, and a win against Fulham and a win against Palace, both of those sides that are beatable. And a Liverpool side that, if we had played them when we had originally planned to, probably would have beaten them. Would have walked them. I think if you get six points and maybe even seven, you will do a whole lot of good before that mini break when you are going to get a ton of really good players back into the side that already are on your team. And it's up to Todd and team to bring in some reinforcements because you're negotiating contracts with Conte at the moment. You have Jorginho maybe not getting offered a new contract. We're going to talk to Matt Law later this week, and I'm sure he'll have plenty of updates for us uh, from the press room directly to share. Um, he's, he's, everybody has to work together in and head in the same trajectory. That is the player, it's the managers, it's the front office organization, and it's the owners. And right now, that is not happening across all spectrums. And so once that gets handled, Brandon, we'll be in a better place, both as watching Chelsea and then also supporting Chelsea uh, near and far. Well, um, you know, not a lot to ask for, just that one little thing. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But anyways, more content is always coming at you this week. Again, another match on, on Thursday. So anyways, uh, that's going to wrap us up for us. Uh, Hit us up on social, Patreon, Discord, as always. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.